sounds better when you have kids. We're going to continue our series in the book of Jonah. Jonah is just well known to everyone, even to little kids. However, we're trying to discover some new insights, new truth that we could apply. And, and along the way, my hope is that we will see Jonah in all of us. Because in some ways, we're just like Jonah. We run away from God. God extends his grace. We come back. And then this process, unfortunately, repeats itself. Today, we're going to find out what we could do to experience God even when we are struggling. So there is a story uh, about this peasant, peasant, uh, a wise peasant in China. He had a son, the apple of his eye. He had a white stallion that everyone admired. Unfortunately, one day, this stallion runs away. Maybe you know this story. So everyone came to console him. He said, oh, I'm sorry. It's such a bad luck that your, your horse will run away. And this wise peasant said, who knows? Maybe good, maybe bad. A few days later, this stallion returns with 12 wild horses. And now everyone comes to him, congratulations. This is a great blessing. And the wise peasant said, who knows? It could be good. It could be bad. As the story goes, the next day, the son, he wanted to train one of those wild horses. Unfortunately, he fell and broke his leg. And again, the neighbors came and go, oh, this is such a bad luck. I'm sorry this happened to your son. Wise peasant said, who knows? Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. A few weeks later, the son is limping around, you know, just making his ways. When emperor soldiers came, and they announced, there is a war about to happen, so we need to gather all able bodies who are young and able to fight. We need to draft all these young people. Well, everyone got drafted except his son. Now everyone was jealous. I said, oh, it turned out to be such a blessing. Your son was not drafted. And this wise peasant said, who knows? Maybe good, maybe bad. I think sometimes we just don't know as we encounter different things in life, whether it be at work or even at home, even at church. Things happen in our life, and we don't know if it's good, if it's bad, somewhere in between. Well, today's passage, I hope, uh, to glean some truth that along the way, no matter the situation, we could still have peace. We could still turn to God and receive and experience his blessings. So we're going to read from chapter 3, verses 6 through 10 today. When Jonah, Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let 
people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent. God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So we've been learning about the city of Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria. Assyrian Empire lasted about 500 years. Just think about that. We're, what, 200-some years old, our nation? This empire lasted over 500 years, and Nineveh was their capital city. Chapter 411 4, says, There are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. I mean, this could be a figurative expression, but more than likely is a literal expression, meaning 120 children who cannot tell right from left. So if that's the case, many theologians would say it's about 600,000 people who lived in that city. Imagine that. This is around 700 B.C., ancient city with about 600,000 people. That is a big city. Even now, you combine Carmel, Fishers, Westfield, and Noblesville, it's still less than 600,000. It's like 350 or so. So this is a big city. But they were also known for their evil ways. So when God says this is a great city, it means, yeah, it's a great city in size and its number, but it's great in that they're evil. This is how they became big. This is how they maintained their power by conquering other nations, but they brought fear into them because they were so brutal. They were so oppressive and suppressive in their nature. They wrote a book on torture. So it is this city that Jonah will come to deliver God's message. Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Eight-word sermon. I told you this is a pastor's dream. Do you hear compassion in this message? They're not naive people. They're evil people. They're, they have power. This is the capital city of the empire. So Jonah comes along and he shouts, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And that's it. We don't hear compassion in this message. We don't sense some kind of urgency in this message. You know, Jonah didn't go out of his way to convince people, hey, my God, the, the creator of land and sea and everything in it, he sent me to tell you, your evil has reached his height, and he wants to punish you unless you repent. I mean, none of those. Forty more days, and they never will be overthrown. That's it. To his surprise, they responded favorably. These evil people 
with power. When they heard this half-hearted message, they thought, well, this is true. We need to do something. So from children to their king, they all came together. And king made a decree that we should all just repent, turn from our evil ways. So he admitted as much. So we need to repent so that God might spare us. This is the key to this repentance. It's already inconceivable that these people will repent. Hearing Jonah's message, but they have an assurance at all. They said, who knows? Maybe God will relent. Maybe God will change his mind about his punishment. We know for sure that God is ready, willing, and able to forgive us when we repent. How many of us take advantage of that? Technically, we could have a clean slate every morning when we get up in the morning. Like this morning, I got up. I was the first one out of my apartment, first one to step on the white powder to clean my car. We could have that clean slate every morning if we could repent, if we could take advantage of this blessing. I mean, technically, we could sin while we're sleeping, but that's, you know, that doesn't happen every day. Been there, done that. We don't take advantage of this. We even rarely say, I'm sorry even to our spouses sometimes. I I run into so many families. They struggle. In fact, they go separate ways because they refuse to say, I'm sorry. Something that has been going around for years and years and years, so much that they go to separate ways when they go to sleep. And when they get, get up in the morning, they get ready, they go to separate ways to go to work, and then when they come back, they eat, but then they sleep separately. They do all these things for years after years after years because they don't want to say, I'm sorry, until it's a little bit too late. Then they realize, oh, I wish I had done that. What's a big deal? I should have said it first. I'm not making this up. This is a true story, and it happens more than you might think. Broken families, just because they don't want to say, I'm sorry first. We wrestle with this. So forget repenting. We don't even want to say, I'm sorry. Not even to God. I mean, that's not biblical repentance. We all know that. But it starts there. We have to say, I'm sorry. God, this is not pleasing to you. I'm sorry. Help me. I could turn away from my sin so that I don't repeat this, so I could be in your presence, so I could rebuild my relationship with you. In fact, if at all possible, let me get closer to you because of this. Do we do this? This is something that Jonah should have done in the first place. Then he would have more compassion. Then he would not have ran away from his calling to go to Nineveh. I know they're your enemies, 
They've been oppressing you all these years, but you go and you, sh- you tell them this message. If Jonah was able to do this on a daily basis, perhaps he would have been ready. Now he sees this. The evil people, the Gentiles, they are doing this better than him. In fact, their repentance is biblical and it is acceptable by God. All the while, they don't have this assurance. Who knows? Maybe God will change his mind. They don't know. They don't have a guarantee. And yet, they're willing to go through this repentant process. They even put on a sackcloth. They made a decree. Even the animals don't eat. Repent, pray, fast. That's what they did. I believe this is something that we should look into, especially today. I have never encountered any period of my life when things are so out of order, chaotic, uncertain than right now. If we could all come together, repent, pray, and fast, cry out to God together as we sang some of the songs today, who knows what God might do? Did you know that God changes his mind? Before you say, well, he's teaching heresy, just stay with me a little bit. God does change his mind. In certain cases, I know God is immutable. God doesn't change. He says so himself. Um, Micah 3.6, I, the Lord, do not change. But what do we see today? He relented. That is, he changed his mind. He said, 40 days, you will be destroyed. But then when they repented, God said, okay, I will spare you. We call this conditional declarations of God. God declares something, like in this case, I will punish you in 40 days. But then when they responded favorably, when they came together, repented of their sins, then they prayed together and and fasted together, God said, based on that, I will spare you. Conditional. But then every once in a while, there's an unconditional determinations of God. That is like Genesis chapter 15 when God was making a a covenant with Abraham. Abrahamic covenant. You know, God commanded Abraham to prepare the ceremony. So he would uh, prepare the animals and they were supposed to walk down the aisle together. God and Abraham to finalize, sign the contract on that covenant. But Abraham would fall asleep So God walks down the aisle all by himself, meaning it's unconditional. Unconditional determinations of God. This covenant is so important that it doesn't matter what Abraham does or does not do. This is all on God. God said, I'll take care of this. Sometimes those things happen, and in those cases, God doesn't change. But there are some other times when God said, you know, I will change. 
I'll be more than happy to change. This is big. Whether it be your personal life or your family or our church as a community, this is the big news. We need to know that God is able to change his mind based on how we respond to God. When we respond to God favorably, when he sees a you know, favorable response as we repent of our sins, some, some of you, you will need to dig out your sin because you have not been sinning for a long time, but maybe there is something that you've been hiding somewhere. But we all go through that. So we need to come clean before the Lord. Confess, repent, pray, and even fast if necessary. When that happens, God is willing to change his mind. And we saw this in Jonah chapter 1. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So they were all crying out to their own gods, false gods. But then they encounter the true God, Jonah's God, and now they're crying out to him. Even in the midst of Jonah's disobedience, God was making himself known. And when people responded favorably, he spared their life. It happens. How about Exodus chapter 32? You know, Moses is up on Mount Sinai, talking to God, receiving the commandments. All the while, down below, Aaron is leading the way of idol worship. They created a golden calf, and they were worshiping false God. And God tells Moses, don't hold me back. I'm paraphrasing. I need to get rid of these people. They're stiff-necked people. But don't worry. I will still create a great nation through you. It's okay. I will get rid of them, and I will start fresh. That's what God said. And this is what Moses said. Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Because of this prayer, Moses' intercessory prayer for the people, God said, then the Lord relented. God changed his mind. And we know the book of Judges, the cycles over and over, people sin, so God will punish them, and they cry out, so God appoints a judge to go and deliver them. Judges chapter 2, verse 18. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and, and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented. He changed his mind. The thing that we have to recognize is that when God changes his mind, there's something going on behind the scene. That's what we have to recognize, to fully appreciate God changing his mind. It's not just like, whew, yeah, God changed his mind. He's going to spare me. It's that too. But there's more to it. 
Because what God is saying is, I will change my mind. And I will take the punishment for you. You know, God is God of holy. So he cannot tolerate sin. Justice and love. How, how does all these things harmonize? When someone sins, the price has to be paid. Yeah, God is willing to change his mind. But when he does, he puts the burden on himself. We heard this story before. Jesus Christ, he came to die for us on the cross. He said, put it on me. I'll die for you. So yes, this is great news. But we have to understand that God is suffering. More reason for us to repent. And really examine our life every single day. Don't put God in that situation where he has to change his mind. Rather, we should avoid that as much as we can. But if necessary, why not? If not for your own sin, for the sin of your people, for the non-believers, who knows? When we come together, when we repent, when we pray together and even fast, who knows what God might do? Jonah experienced the same grace. But Jonah couldn't tolerate God extending his grace to Ninevites. He still didn't get it, that everyone deserves God's grace. It's not for him to decide. It's for God to decide. 120,000, 600,000 people in the city. They're my people. See, along the way, God wanted to bring Jonah closer to him. So that Jonah would feel God's pain. So Jonah could rejoice God's joy. Jonah kept refusing that. Because he was not willing to take that extra step. We know the story of King Hezekiah. He was around 37, 38 years old. I mean, that's his prime. He has power. And he could do good things for his people. Just all of a sudden, God says, you're going to die. Chapter 38, Isaiah, verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. I mean, Isaiah just comes all of a sudden and goes, you know, you're going to die. You better get ready. So he cries out to God. Verse 3. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Sometimes these things happen. Hezekiah was one of the righteous kings, about 10 or so in the southern kingdom, right? They had 21 kings, and he was one of the few righteous kings that they had. So he did a lot of good things for, for God in front of God's eyes. And yet this sad news just all of a sudden comes. Even then, he repented. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father, David, says. I've heard your prayer 
and seeing your tears. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. Again, still under Assyrian Empire time. King Hezekiah prayed, God spared his life, in fact, extended his life 15 more years, but not just his life. God protected the city, the holy city as well, from the mighty empire, at least for the 15 years. So this is the point that I really want to stress. Hezekiah prayed. He received God's grace, but not just him, but entire city, entire nation. Why not us? Who knows? When we come together to repent, to pray and even fast, who knows what God could do? Individually, as a family, as a congregation, as a church, if we could do this, who knows what God can do? This is the uh, new year, right? Today is the uh, Happy New Year. I hear that this is the year of the rabbit. Rabbit does what? Runs, leaps, and jumps. I had a rabbit. Well, my son had a rabbit one time. And we lived in a second floor. My condo was in second floor. And this rabbit was so smart. It was able to open the screen door. And then we'll go outside. We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then occasionally, he would jump off from the second floor. And then someone would knock on the door and go, hey, is that your rabbit down there? (laughs) So so we had to go fetch this white rabbit, just beautiful white rabbit. I mean, he he ruined some furniture, but, you know, he brought us a lot of joy. Then one day, we just lost him because he jumped off and disappeared. (laughs) That's really unfortunate. (laughs) But rabbit is good at jumping. And I thought, wouldn't that be fitting if we're able to leap and jump together spiritually as we gather together to pray, to repent, to fast for one another? exchanging prayer items. After all, church is the house of prayer, isn't it? And I wonder if we could revisit that this year. As we welcome this new year for the second time, let's try to get together, to pray, to repent, to... to uh, to fast. Who knows what God might do to us and through us. Father, thank you so much. We welcome this brand new year one more time so that we could just um, welcome your presence and perhaps uh, commit our lives to you once again uh, so that you might see some good things in us to use us for your glory. Father, are there any things in our life that we need to make clean with you? And we pray that you will give us this desire to come and to repent and to pray and to fast together. 
as a church and just anticipate great things that you will do through us for our community and beyond. We thank you in advance for all the things that you will do through us and to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.